What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, first round is in the books. We are going to break down the Tyler Buckner to Alabama news. Also got former Alabama defensive back Brian Branch coming up in an interview that we recorded before the draft. And we're doing car accidents in figuring out and lad of the week. But we are recording this. The last pick of the first round is going to be coming in in a second here. Uh-huh. But we are recording this ah, 13 minutes shy of, of midnight after a very eventful round one. I was trying to figure out what the biggest takeaway was. And I'll be honest with you. We, we've we said at different points. Yeah, you know, we can see a scenario in which Will Levis is going to fall. To think that we're talking right now and Will Levis has not been picked is Stunning. Stunning to see it after three of the first four picks of the draft are quarterback with Bryce Young at number one overall. Stroud ends up being the the surprising non-surprise, whatever you want to call it, to the Texans at two. And then Richardson going four to the Colts. And then to not see a quarterback come off the board after that. I thought it was a lock. The SEC would at least have three quarterbacks taking the first round. They were going to be in position to potentially set that record. And then no, just to no Levis in the first round. That's wild to me. Absolutely wild. Yeah, I mean, and and you said it that he, you know, was going to be a faller. He was the guy. It, exactly what you said was he was going to be the guy sitting in the green room looking uncomfortable. And buddy, did you hit that on the head? I mean, he looked uncomfortable, and he was. He seems like a cool guy. Like you can kind of see how guys are in those moments. But I felt bad for him because he didn't seem like a jerk. Like he didn't seem like one of these kind of like USC guys that are just like, why am I not picked? Like you can tell he's kind of like having fun, laughing it up with his family. But it's got to be miserable. But yeah, I mean, I I think for him, you know. We said it. It was like my my take on him was the earlier he went, the more risky it was for him. Because like I think that if you put him on a team that kind of knows what they're doing, they'll be able to use him correctly. So I, you know, I know as a competitor you want to go first overall, but I think this is probably going to be the best for him in the long term. I I feel so bad watching those guys in the green room. It, it, yeah. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I feel so bad even for Aaron Rodgers watching him go through that, even though he. Uh, no, afterwards. I never feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I felt I felt bad. I feel bad for innocent young innocent Aaron Rodgers, not yeah. Aaron Rodgers, what he became and the fact that he tortured my franchise for 15 years. But yeah, that that was that was a, a stunning revelation to see that Will Levis falls, Anthony Richardson doesn't fall, ends up going number four to the Colts, which that development I think is really, really interesting because while I've I'm not going to go down the same road that I talked about with Anthony Richardson a bunch of times here, but going to a place like the Colts who have only taken, if if you're, if you're a fan of the Colts and you're like RH, basically you've seen your franchise take two first round quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. They don't mess around with that. You've yeah. seen what they've done these past five years to essentially do like the replace Andrew Luck, but not really replace Andrew Luck. When they yeah. go all in with a guy, it is like, okay, this is we're putting everything into you. And I, because I, the one I interned with the Colts when I was a senior in college, and I spent the one year there was the in between Peyton and Andrew Luck years when they were terrible. And Curtis yep. Painter was their starting Curtis quarterback. Painter. I was about to say, oh, Purdue legend. So it's such bad football. Dude, to watch. Saints beat that team 62 to seven. That was a fun year for the Saints. They were so bad. But like you're reminded, the quarterback standard is so unbelievably high. But at the same time, here's what I will say, because I know I've been really negative on on Richardson pre-draft, all these things. You are at least going to the place 
that is the ultimate believer in, well, you got to get all those reps and you've got to suck your first year. That's Peyton Manning, what he did his rookie year with the Colts, what he set the NFL record for interceptions. Anthony Richardson needs reps. He needs reps. He is going to a place where hopefully the expectation is going to be, you're going to suck for a bit. You're going to suck for a bit. It's going to be rough. We're going to watch you go through it. We're going to hopefully be able to build you up. And you know what? I'm going through that right now with Justin Fields and watching that is so rare for me because I, you know, have a, a team that doesn't really go all in, in that sort of way, but to, hey, to they see, did once. well, I mean, look, I, I thought we were going to agree that Mitch Trubisky didn't count. I, by the way, I got into an argument with a couple of Florida fans about Mitch Trubisky, his, his pre-draft season versus Anthony Richardson's pre-draft season. Didn't think we were going to go. Didn't think we were going to go in that direction, but because I brought up the point, I think Anthony Richardson is the riskiest top five pick ever because of the, because of the fact that it's quarterback, all those different things. But I, I actually came away from it thinking, okay, I, I hope that he could I hope that he could succeed in this environment, in this environment that's hopefully going to build him up and know what it's like to have that high profile guy when you draft a top five quarterback and what that's supposed to look like and how that process plays out. But I'm fascinated. He was as intriguing as any pick, in my opinion, in the first round. What did you think of Richardson going to the Colts? Yeah, I think, like you said, that's pretty close to, as funny as this is, say out loud, it's true, it's pretty close to a dream scenario for him because that's a team that has, I think, learned from the Andrew Luck thing. They've started to protect their quarterbacks. Their offensive line's kind of getting better as like the years have gone on. They had the NFL's leading rusher in Jonathan Taylor two years ago. Um, the weapons are fine, you know, um, but it's always kind of been uh, quietly a defensive team. And so I think that, you know, they've seen, you know, the fans over there, like while they have had, you know, you never want to be the guy that follows the guy, right? So while they have had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, they've had Andrew Luck kind of quit on them because their franchise was poverty. And then they've seen what it's like to not have a quarterback, which as a Saints fan, I'm like, this is new to me. That's like how their fans have been. So now it's like, okay, please come save us. It's not, we're used to Andrew Luck, we're spoiled. It's like, yo, we're used to wash Matt Ryan, wash Phillip Rivers, Ellinger. Please get in here and help us, bro. We are not thinking about Peyton Manning right now. Can you, can you imagine watching Matt Ryan escape pressure and then watching Anthony Richardson escape pressure and how different that's going to be? Or 45-year-old Phillip Rivers? Oh those are linemen got to be like so happy right now because i mean like most offensive linemen will say that run blocking is more fun right but when you have really no passing threat it's just kind of repetitive and then like you're getting graded poorly because they know the run's coming now it's like yo if we could just hold our blocks for a second i'll watch anthony take off up the end i'll be like yo see you bro (laughs) how about it so yes as i said i i i hope that anthony richardson ends up being the best possible version of himself would absolutely love to see it yeah how about how about the eagles (laughs) Oh my God. Can I Eagles, please talk about this? Go Georgia ahead. Northeast. What they did in the first round is like the most Madden esque thing to do. Yeah. Or actually maybe it's just your, your buddy who, you know, you're, you're, you're watching the draft with, who maybe follows college a little bit casually. And he says, Hey, Georgia's really good. They just won two national championships. Why don't they just draft Georgia players all the time? And don't you know it? They go up, they trade with the Bears pick. They move up one spot. They go from 10 to 9 to be able to get Jalen Carter. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We're not telling the story accurately because here's what happened. The Atlanta Falcons are sitting there at 8 
with more needs than they have players, okay? And they're like, you know what I think I'm going to do? The best player in the draft is sitting here. He played up the road in Atlanta or in uh, Athens. I could just go get in a car and score and, and scout Jalen Carter. What a blessing. What a blessing that Jalen Carter has fallen so far to us at eight when he could have been the number one or two overall pick a couple of months ago. We don't, we're not going to take him. We're going to take a running back. In the division where we've seen Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey struggle with no help, we're just going to get a running back eighth overall all and then we're going to watch the nfc champion philadelphia eagles trade into the spot behind us because they couldn't fathom we would do something so dumb and pick the easiest pick in the entire draft jalen carter at nine <laughs> like, like i can't believe like i saw that happen i was like that's something that i would write as a joke i he's gonna fit in so well in philadelphia it's a perfect fit it, it is it is a perfect fit the one thing i'll say with the the Falcons thing, there is a little bit of this weird, if a guy has off field issues, don't, don't draft him. Don't draft him. If you're in the state that his college was in, which Jalen Carter is from Georgia, but there is right. a little bit of that kind of mindset. I don't know if that factored into what the Falcons were doing. I love B. John Robinson, by the way, Texas first offensive player selected in the first round since Vince Young. I can no longer. Throw oh, we that can't use out. that stat anymore. Oh, sad. So bummed. But yes, uh, I, I love Bijan. I absolutely do. Senior Mirror Gibbs come off the board when he did. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But I was sitting there at nine going, man, as a Bears fan, this is, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. Yeah. This, this is the exact scenario. Man, they're going to end up with Carter. And then I see them trade the pick and I'm like, oh, so they don't want Jalen Carter. And that bums me out. It bums me out. So they end up trading that one spot. They get an extra pick. They get a fourth round pick. The Eagles decide, you know what? We have the infrastructure. And you know what? They do. They absolutely do. If you had told me going into this draft, by the way, Jalen Carter is going to go to the franchise who has Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, and oh, afterwards, a couple hours after they draft Jalen Carter, just in case that's not enough, because Howie Roseman doesn't have enough of that Georgia Kool-Aid running through his veins. He's going to draft Nolan Smith, who somehow drops all the way to number 30. How <laughs> in the world does that happen? Kirby Smart needs to just start telling all of his defensive recruits, yeah, you're going to play for the Eagles one day. <laughs> You're going to play for the Eagles. Congratulations. I'll sign you with Georgia. We'll get the NIL figured out. Howie Roseman. Uh, yeah. Direct pipeline. Just draft Georgia defensive players. Oh, what man. a bold strategy from the NFL. They can't keep getting away with this. Like we were told, we were gaslighted to think Jordan Davis was too thick to play football. Then we watched him immediately dominate. We were talking about the Kobe Dean, like had a year that made them believe in him. And he's probably yeah. going to see a lot more reps this year. And it's like, how does this team, okay, this is the classic, like, Smart teams, like good teams stay good, bad teams stay bad. Not to like pick on the Bears here, but it's like the Eagles were chomping at the bit to get back and get Jalen Carter. And when I saw it was the Eagles that got him, I was like, this team's never going to be bad again. Like they're just going to keep getting guys like, oh, you guys, you guys don't want, um, you got, I can't think of his name, AJ Brown. You guys don't want AJ Brown in Tennessee. You don't want to pay him. We'll take him pretty much for free. And he's going to be like a top three receiver in the other side no, yeah no, no worries deal. bro yeah we'll just go ahead and take that guy off your hands like say they, they fleece the saints too they fleece the saints too like so it's like you every move that howard roseman makes i'm just like this guy's gonna be awesome i hate yeah, this <laughs> i know I, it was great seeing jalen carter with his family there agent drew rosenhaus who mm -hmm. um i ran into drew rosenhaus before that georgia oregon game to start off the year it was very mm -hmm. random and i wonder i wondered to myself i don't know if carter was represented by him at the time it's a little bit murky with nil stuff but i definitely thought back to that and thought about the fact that drew rosenhaus said 
we're not going to do any interviews with teams outside of the top 10. You don't want to mm-hmm. keep having him relive all this stuff that's gone down pre-draft and the emotion that he had being able to, to embrace his family and to walk out on the stage. Like he's in tears as, as he's dapping up Goodell and taking pictures and stuff like that. And you reminded that guy's been through a lot, but from here forward, everything is going to be, what does he do to set himself up? This isn't about what Todd McShay is saying about him anymore. This this mm-hmm. isn't that. It, it's you're a defensive tackle. You're not a quarterback, so it's not like your your entire success is going to be determined by the pieces around you. Do you have alignment? Do you have a scheme that works? You're a defensive tackle. You're going to be getting to work with Jordan Davis. You're going to be getting to work with Fletcher Cox. You're going to be getting to work oh, with these man. guys who, in theory, should <laughs> be able to to build you up. And I hope that Jalen Carter is exactly like the guy that he was being compared to throughout high school. Warren Sapp. Apopka High School, both Apopka High School guys, like yeah. that is the ceiling for for Jalen Carter. And seeing him go to the Eagles, everybody's just like, well, just pencil that in now. <laughs> That's a guarantee. It's dude, it's so fun. And like to be clear, I remember seeing him pick up Jaden Daniel live and being like, This is I can't yeah. believe this guy. This guy's awesome. <laughs> like he's just so sick. I've been on like his page since then. And like the concept of I mean, it's it's a storybook for a guy that's been struggling, you know, with off the field issues. You have not only you know, the captain of the Georgia defense from last year, Nicobe Dean, who is, you know, the guy who would set you straight. And the you captain this year. <laughs> the, the, the captain this year, okay? And you got Jordan Davis, who oh. plays your position, who was kind of you before you. And you have Fletcher Cox, who was like one of the greatest like defensive tackles of our generation, who's probably going to walk into the Hall of Fame, I would think. And he's like a lifetime eagle, could tell you about Philadelphia. Then you have that offensive line you're going to go up against, who those guys don't take any crap either. They're the leader of the team. And so you can't show up late. You can't take reps off against those guys because they're road grade. I mean, Lane Johnson played the Super Bowl, played playoff games with half a leg. And he's not going to tolerate any of this stuff. So, yeah, I think that's just such a dream scenario for him to not even probably have to play right away and be an impact player right away and to be around a room of guys that if you are going to succeed, it's going to be with these guys. There's no yeah. question. You're so far away from home. You're around gr- great leadership. Like, I just love that pick for the Eagles, man. I didn't even think about the fact that he gets to go nose to nose with Jason Kelsey every day. Mm-hmm. And if if you're taking plays off, like Jason Kelsey's going to let you know. You're exactly right. It's it's the infrastructure that's in place. Surprise pick of the first round for me, probably Jameer Gibbs to the Lions. Man, at twelve was it was it twelve or thirteen that he went? Man, yeah. I I'm thinking no nobody that I saw throughout this entire process had mocked a running back to the Lions. And that's a team that obviously has, speaking of Georgia guys, has DeAndre Swift already. They signed David Montgomery to a pretty decent contract. And then yeah. they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just, we'll just add Jameer Gibbs. They, was that, do you think, a move that was done in hopes, because everybody's making the comps that he's that he's Alvin Kamara, which we're doing a little bit too much now. Not every pass catching back is Alvin Kamara, but he was the one right. that's getting that's been getting it the most. But is that a move that's done directly because of the Jameson Williams thing and that suspension? Because that was my first thought. And I was like, ah, you know what? That actually, that does, as weird as that is, when I kind of think through it, I can make a little bit of sense of it. But man, I did not think Jameer Gibbs was going that high. Yeah, they're running this Lions team. I mean, like uh, another Madden franchise. I mean, they have just so many fun players. They have this random offensive coordinator who's awesome. I mean, they're they're doing like, 
maybe they won't be good, but they'll be really fun. Like Dan Campbell's really fun. And like, it's just, that's such a fun destination. Jared Goff's got to be the luckiest human being to ever play football. I mean, he just keeps ending up with these fun little toys, keeps getting up with like these cool situations. So yeah, I mean, I don't even know what their plan is at quarterback. Maybe they just keep trying him out, but he'll have, look, if there's anything, if it could work, it will work up there weirdly. It's weird to say that about the Lions, but so it feels. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there are, a lot of people who are thinking that Jameer Gibbs is going to be there in the back end of the first round or mm-hmm. you know early second, maybe trade up to get him. And they're just like, no, we're not even going to let anybody do that. Um, anything else that we wanted to to discuss round one? I definitely had a moment of regret once I saw what Tyree Wilson was wearing <laughs> and I saw that outfit and I was like, dang, I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been doing the side by side with Will Anderson. This isn't about that. He can still have a great career. Yeah. Uh, Will Anderson being the first position player first non-quarterback to come off the board I'm glad that that sanity won out and that nobody <laughs> overthought that and i mean i guess same with same with the bryce young thing that this wasn't wildly overthought but it kind of felt like those first three picks and the texans trading the cardinals to get that number three overall pick it was kind of like oh college people who have been watching these guys for a while we're not totally dumb, right? We know what we're doing. I like seeing Will Anderson go go number three, just because if he had fallen to like eight, where I was seeing him, some of these mocks, I'm like, what, what, what are you, what are you looking for at, at this point? What's, what's the point of of Will Anderson dominating the SEC the way that he did for three years to yeah. fall to number eight like that? That just would have been strange to me. Um. Yeah. No. I. I agree. I think that. Yeah. That they cooler heads prevail. I think the Texans kind of got to have their cake and eat it too. With they got the quarterback and the edge rusher, which are the two foundational pieces you want. We'll talk about uh, our boy Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, staying till twenty. Uh, first, to to receiver, first receiver. First receiver. First receiver taken. And this is the year after. I mean, every year it's receiver, receiver, receiver. And I'm just quick thing about this. These NFL guys and their podcast dump on college guys constantly and talk about how they just are watching the game like cavemen. And they, oh, don't take a running back. Don't take a running back. And then suddenly running backs are flying off the board. Suddenly these intelligent GMs are letting the best receiver. I mean, what makes him different from any of these other Ohio State guys? He was the best one in the room, arguably, like when they were all together. They all kind of said that. And so like point being he falls all the way to the Seahawks who <laughs> still have Tyler Lockett still have DK Metcalf end up with him and it's like again this is why good teams stay good uh, we talked about you were like don't overthink this I'm exactly on your page they're gonna figure that out just like they figure everything out and you just see these late picks where it's like okay like how did the Jordan Addison going to the um the Vikings do they need Jordan Addison no but they have him like that's, that's how good teams stay good. You you just you let Adam Thielen go. Now you need yeah, you get somebody to pair along with Justin Jefferson, just like what the Eagles were doing. Follow mm-hmm. the Eagles model. When in doubt, just do what the Eagles are doing. Get AJ Brown. Oh, Devontae Smith. Like these I mean, Devontae Smith was before AJ Brown, but you know, just load up on receiver. That's kind of the way that you do it, and you can kind of wait. Waiting on quarterback, something that maybe, maybe somebody's doing. Maybe somebody decided. Hey, we like Hendon Hooker a lot, but we're going to wait to the second round to get him, even though the fifth year option thing, you know, would have suggested that he was going to go in the first round. But mm-hmm. I was looking at potential destinations for those two uh, as we close out here. Um, uh, first round thoughts. I would be really interested to see if Will Levis ends up with the Rams, the Liam Cohen connection. Liam calls mm. up his buddy, Sean McVay. He's like, Hey, just roll the dice on him. Matthew Stafford's not getting any younger. Could yeah. see that at 36. That was one that nobody was saying in the first round was going to be, you know, on the table or, or anything like that. Rams didn't have a first round pick though. Did they? they never did I do. miss that? 
Yeah, they never yeah. do. They've given away all their first round picks from. Okay, so yeah, that's exactly. There what were thirty one picks in the draft. Like I was like waiting on the thirty second. There isn't one. It was a forfeited <laughs> one. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. the Dolphins with the uh, the Tom Brady thing. Um, but yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking that'd be a that 36, 37, 38. Those three picks right there. If Hooker mm-hmm. or Levis doesn't come off the board with one of those three picks, I'll be very very surprised. I think that's where we see him come off the board. Yeah, all right. I think that makes it. Yeah. Um, let's talk some Tyler Buckner. Well, the big pre-draft news in the SEC was that Tyler Buckner is reuniting with Tommy Reese at Alabama. Mm-hmm. He did not do his final visits. Met with the Bama staff on Wednesday. Announced on Thursday he is going to Alabama. He's going to be doing that instead of sticking around at Notre Dame and being Sam Hartman's backup. One thing about Tyler Buckner is he locks into a target. Okay, so big time. I did a little bit of a Tyler Buckner breakdown. Did a little bit of a breakdown. I'll get to that in a a sec here. Um, But but from the Bama side, Bama hasn't dipped into the portal for a scholarship quarterback since it became known as the portal, if I'm not mistaken, which like they they just don't do that. As far as I know, I'm pretty sure the last time they really made a serious push for a transfer quarterback was 2018 Gardner Minshew. And that was knowing that Tua and Jalen Robinson battling it out. So he's going to be the third stringer. Maybe you get a little bit of a head start on his coaching career, something like that. Washington State, Mike Leach, the rest is history. I don't think Saban, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think Saban is looking at this, assuming or hoping that Tyler Buckner is going to be his starter. Do you disagree with that? I have no idea. I mean, I I think to your point, like Tyler Buckner had lots of options. So I, I don't think he would have committed that quickly if there wasn't at least a vote of confidence from Tommy Reese. I know those guys have worked together, you know, in the Brian Kelly coaching tree. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, they I, I think that he wouldn't have committed that quickly if those guys didn't have that great of a um, rapport with each other. You know, I, I, we always talk about it with the transfer quarterback. I mean, think about it. We talked about what does it take to be a transfer quarterback at this window? And it's a team kind of giving up on you and then seeing an opportunity at another team. So you know, if we're going to go back and follow our own advice, I think he probably is betting on himself um, for sure. So, yeah, I, 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 who would you, would you still put Simpson as the favorite right now? Yes. Simpson is going to be my guy still not feeling great about that. I'll be a hundred percent honest with you, but I, I think there are, there are some different ways to look at this at the very least. We're in for a three-way battle uh, at the very least, given the timing of this post spring game, underwhelming performance, I think we can say that from from Buckner's viewpoint, some might say that it doesn't really make sense to go to Bama when you're not guaranteed to be the guy. But in reality, what gets lost in the shuffle is we can sit here and I know we talked about the other day, you know, would Garrett Nussmeyer start at this school or that school? And we could feel like we have a pretty good gauge of this, but you don't know that you're going to be the guy at Florida or Auburn either. So you can either battle it out there and be in multi-quarterback battles. That's what it would be at Auburn. That's what it would be at Florida. Or stay at Notre Dame and be a backup. Or go to where your former OC is and at the very least be a backup there. If you're, I think if you're Bama, you get a little bit of security with this move, a little bit. You get somebody that understands the calls. He understands the verbiage. You get a veteran in that room that gives you an option to turn to if your evaluation of Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson's off. That's the biggest thing to remember. Dan Wetzel brought up this point. I think it's really valid. You've got four blue chip quarterbacks in that room already. Think about that. Bama has four quarterbacks who are four stars and above. 
all in that room. Milrose entering year three, Simpson's entering year two, Holstein and, and, and Lonergan are entering year one. If you have an obvious starter or even a pretty clear leader in the clubhouse, you're not adding a fifth scholarship quarterback, but Bama did. I mean, five yeah. scholarship quarterbacks. That's a lot, man. That is, you only get so many scholarships. Five, that is that is a ton. Some attrition will probably happen. I don't know what the the, the post-spring window is going to look like considering it closes on Saturday. Or if any of those guys are going to hit, probably not going to go into the portal. As I always say, set your expectations low for the post-spring transfers at quarterback. You should. It's good that Buckner is kind of in this unique situation because he's going to work with the only coordinator he's ever had in college. But still, I do believe not having that spring with the receivers, it makes it much more difficult for a post-spring quarterback to step in and truly command that huddle. Buckner's got three years of eligibility. Three years of eligibility left. So that's that's the good thing for him because he only played in three games last year. He played in 10 that first year dealing with kind of the Jack Cohn injury. The shoulder injury that he had last year came after just a really, really bad day against Marshall, a game that we talked about going into that South Carolina bowl game. I went Who back in that out. game, Connor, which, which game Marshall or Marshall. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall, Marshall won, won <laughs> that day in large part because of how bad that offense was. And it was bad. I went back, watched the throws that he made. I remembered watching the pick six live when Notre Dame was down 1915. It's third and three, just under five minutes left. They're at their own 32. I also remembered thinking that he really telegraphed the throw which eh, a little bit debatable. If you go back and watch the corner makes a pretty phenomenal play. The pick that he threw earlier was much, much worse in terms of a telegraph pass. What I didn't remember until rewatching it today was that Michael Mayer, you're all American tight end. He's wide open on the right side, just past the sticks with a little four yard out. Buckner, Buckner did not look his way. Didn't look his way. I bring that up because if you're a Bama fan, that's thinking right now, Buckner is just brought in to be Jake Coker. He's going to be your first game manager in eight years after Saban kept talking all spring about, you know, his quarterbacks have to stop making the plays that beat us. I would say watch Buckner and tell me if you think he's even at a game manager level yet. I don't. I don't think he's there yet. We don't run off 20-year-old quarterbacks in this podcast. We don't do that. But in his very young career got an interception once every 14.7 pass attempts small sample size very small sample size shoulder injury last year year two probably didn't help his development but still even the south carolina game game that notre dame won he did some great things he had three picks he had three picks and the pick six that should have lost in that game i remember watching that game being like well this one's over and they i remember south carolina ran that all the way back and then to his credit he let him down the field to score but they shouldn't have even been like it was a harrowing comeback by them just cannot make that throw in that spot first and goal you're on the eight yard line you're up a touchdown with eight minutes left at the very least get a field goal go up two scores ride it out from there i rewatched that play and they faked the bubble screen to the receiver on the far on the far hash. And it looks like Buckner thought no matter what, he was going to have his tight end who was in motion coming across the play in the slant, single coverage, and he thought he'd be good. And instead, he just does not see the DB over the top sitting in coverage, 100-yard pick six, like just like that. You make a throw like that at Bama, Saban's making you take off your jersey and walk home. 
Yes. Okay? Unless you're Mac Jones, in which you come back and are amazing the next year. True. <laughs> Mac Jones redeems exactly himself. Good point. I still argue only one of the pick sixes was Mac Jones's fault. But yeah, you're right. He redeemed himself in a big time way. He had another pick six earlier in that game, though, where the pass was tipped. And you could say, oh, it's a tip pass. You know, things happen. If he had actually thrown it in the direction of the guy he was looking for, it probably also would have been a pick six. It was a bad play all around. That dude has some major issues on third down when you take away some of the pre-snap eye candy or it's not an RPO. Whatever sort of package is involved with him at Alabama, you would think it's going to include that. You can see his strengths. You can see his weaknesses pretty clearly. And remember, that was against the South Carolina defense that was totally decimated. They were in mm-hmm. rough, rough shape in that bowl game with all the opt-outs, all the transfers. But he made some he made some big-time plays. He made big-time plays, which, look, that ended up being one of the most fun bowl games because of all the big-time plays that he was a part of, some good, some bad. That throw that he had to Lindsey at the end of the third quarter to tie it up where he's getting hit and he's making that throw throw like across like coming coming across 45 yards downfield you're like all right that that's the stuff that you'll take that all day any day you'd hope to see more of that in his future great moment for him no doubt probably helped him have an opportunity if we're being 100 honest but notre dame still looked at that and said wait a minute we can get sam hartman we're gonna do that we're gonna do that. No, no slander there. Sam Hartman, very good. If Alabama could have had Sam Hartman, I'm sure they would have him instead. Like he's really good. Uh, One of the top five quarterbacks coming back in college football, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so look, you've got a guy in Tyler Buckner who he said and did all the right things this offseason. I was even watching his interview from the Notre Dame spring game, which by the way, nobody bring up the fact that he was eight for 18 for 44 yards in Notre Dame spring game. Um, not great. Not great. Two and a half yards per attempt. It It's easy to see when you kind of understand the dynamics. You see him speak. He could be a nice backup quarterback. He could be a nice backup quarterback for this specific Bama team to have because he does things. He does some things well. He's a good runner. The quarterback run game is going to be used in the Bama offense in a way that it hasn't been since Jalen. I will bet on that no matter what, because all three of those guys, they need that to be able to get going. But the type of offense that you'd need him to run, I kind of feel like it's really similar to what you would probably want to run with Jalen Milrow. And if that's the case, then isn't Milrow going to be the guy that gives you more upside because he's got the bigger arm. He can make you pay in the ground game in an even bigger way that than I think Buckner can. And Buckner's good with his likes. He's definitely good with his likes, but I don't know. I just kind of come away from this thinking they had another guy and that's, and that's fine. Simpsons, my pick today, some 2017 Florida vibes could feel that. Malik Zaire, you remember that edition? Oh my gosh. Malik Zaire. There's a name right there. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess you know I I I'm so fascinated to see the mind game by Saban here and how much of that is intentional and how much will be kind of a backronym that you know we'll hear yeah. from Saban and his light blue blazer in a couple of months like in January of next year like well you know I always had this plan when it works out but point being yeah I mean it's all about process and results right I mean so if they wanted to go into the portal and add a backup quarterback um and we've seen and I wanted to just give some examples because I don't want to be like you know a guy like this you know you look at like Jake Fromm you know he didn't make mistakes he was a game manager Hendon Hooker is another guy did not throw interceptions he was a little bit more mobile right um and then uh Jalen or Jaden Daniels same deal does not really commit turnovers like a guy that so if your process is okay you know we're running this wide open offense um wide open's a bad word for Bill O'Brien's offense we're running this pro style offense 
And we're having to fit into these tight windows and make these, you know, throw the ball a lot to succeed. We want to shorten the game. Okay, we want to probably run the ball a little bit more, run more zone read, uh, do more play action. Okay, I get that. Okay. What gets me is that you then bring in a quarterback who commits turnovers and like in ways that, like you said, are can be so inexcusable. And you pair him with the offensive coordinator where he made those exact turnovers. And so in my mind, like I said, it's processing results. It's like, I understand every move that Bama has made until this exact move, because if they were like, let's go into the portal. And 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 to be clear, I'm not picking on Alabama. I had this almost exact same feedback for Graham Mertz at Florida, who, I mean, would you rather have Buckner or Graham Mertz? I saw the guys at cover three were, were debating this. Uh, shout out Tom Fernelli. You know, I think there's more of an unknown factor with Buckner, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what I side with. As because I think he at least gives you something with his legs, yeah. And in a way that I look, we've had a pretty big sample size of Graham Mertz. I know it's a different offense. It's very, it's a very basic offense. What they ran at Wisconsin, but still, I I feel like I rolled the dice a little bit more with the unknown of Buckner at this point. Yeah. But again, that's at least a decision, and it's not a foregone conclusion. This isn't. It's not like we're talking about. Uh, a situation where it's oh it's Sam Hartman against a redshirt freshman or something right. like that like that that you could look at and say one is the quarterback of the present one's the quarterback of the future and you could build it that way it, it is still like eh, it's kind of preference more preference at that point and yeah. if you feel like you really see something I guess then you just roll with it and maybe that's kind of what Tommy Reese saw in Buckner to make him feel like, all right, maybe we can work with something. And maybe this can at least just give us another option. If we don't feel hundred percent set. Hey, wait, does this add Alabama to the list of teams returning their play caller? And- <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. just kidding. I'm just kidding. But point being, you know, it, like, like I'm not just dumping on Bama here. I'm just a little bit confused by where they're going. Right. Because if they had brought in one of those guys um, that had more experience, even like a merch, like you talk about at least be a different kind of player than like a Ty Simpson. But yeah, I mean, he just seems like he does all the things that Ty Simpson does, but Ty Simpson was a better recruit or, you know, Saban obviously had. So, so where I'm going with this is, you know, um, the, do you worry about now maybe losing a Milrow who, you know, Simpson feels like he's a little bit more the guy of the future. You brought in another guy. Then Milrow might be looking around like, where do I go? So that's the only risk here, I feel, right? But at the same time, the, the window closes. Mm. The window closes on over the weekend. Okay. So you can roll the dice. It, it's it's entirely possible that you lose one guy to the window, and to the post-spring window. But if not then you're you're kind of good and mm-hmm. yeah i suppose you can have a guy who who wants to sit out or, or, or something like that but at the same time you're talking about former blue chip quarterbacks yeah. guys who think that they're going to win until they're told you're not winning this battle i think it's pretty clear that this was going into the spring game and coming out of it this was going to be a two quarterback race between ty simpson between Jalen milrow so even if you're sitting there as a true freshman I don't think you're all of a sudden looking at this situation go, oh, well, now this just makes it that much worse. But yeah, you make a move like that, knowing that there is that risk there, but the window changes it a little bit from that standpoint. Yeah. It's not like Tyler Buckner comes in and you should have this mass exodus and you're going to have to worry about losing three different quarterbacks a la LSU with the Joe Burrow thing because there wasn't the windows then. So you could... You you had to make that move then, knowing what could happen. And sure enough, that's exactly how it played out at LSU. But it was entirely different because 
Ed Odron loved Joe Burrow and he was going to go with him and he knew that. So he could make that bet knowing this is going to be what determines my job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish that we could have like a documentary like on, on this season at Alabama because it can be so fascinating. This is one of the few that I truly, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm, I'm locked in. This is going to be really good stuff. Can I take the over on 10 and a half wins? Can I do that now? Already? I'll okay. take the over. I'll take the over on ten and a half wins. Oh, Come ten on. and a half. Yeah, that's that's regular season. Yeah, that yeah, eleven would do it. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not losing to both those two games we talked about. Oh, she would Tennessee. They're laughing at one of those teams at the end of the year. Yeah, but it is it is telling though to see that that Bama is is in a different spot, a, a very different spot that they've been in in recent memory. And at least with the Bill O'Brien thing or the Steve Sarkeesian thing, like these guys are coming from the NFL and, yeah. and it's just, it's going to be a different conversation. I know we've talked a lot of Bama lately, so I apologize that we're about to kick it to a Bama interview, but a little bit different. At least we're going to the defensive side of the ball. I think right. everyone wants to talk about Bama right now. Cause you know, what's not interesting is Bama whooping everyone. This is sure. what we're going into an era for. We're just not sure if that will be the case. And if it is, it'll still be interesting because we weren't really expecting it as much. You know, you're exactly right. You are exactly right. We, we call it like we see it. We talk about what's interesting. And right now you're, you're exactly right. Bama is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's kick it to Brian Branch. A couple of slight audio issues coming from his end. Apologies for that. Just stick with it. Fun conversation with the former Alabama star. So here is Brian Branch. Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is former Alabama defensive back Brian Branch. Uh, Brian is here on behalf of Tide Cleaners and the, the P&G Style Lounge. Brian, the draft is all about being fresh and clean. Uh, partnering with the company that literally has Tide in the name, that just kind of makes perfect sense for you. Uh, tell me what you're doing uh, with Tide Cleaners and the PNG Style Lounge. Um, pretty much, I've been rocking with Tide since me and my family have been rocking with them since I was young. Uh, they're making sure my laundry smells fresh and everything. Um, and also just having them uh, making me like almost like a perfect fit for NFL draft. Uh, just making sure, make sure I smell fresh. Okay, so we're we're doing this on Wednesday. By the time this comes out on Friday, you could already be with a new team, or alternatively, you could be on that ever intriguing best available list for like twenty four hours because uh, you'd be coming off the board Friday uh, either way. But um, everyone talks about how great your football IQ is, so let's kind of test your instincts. I'm not going to tell you um, you need to predict the future and tell me where you're going to be, what team you're going to be on, but just tell me what your mood is going to be like on Friday morning. Um, just, it's probably gonna hit me on Friday morning on that. Like, I know, I finally know what team I'm going to, uh, hopefully, um, just, just ready to get going pretty much, uh, just ready to see the team and, uh, the guys, you know, just ready for it. Um, Pumps, really. Yeah, to- totally understand. I-, I I think the 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 only answer that you could have given there that would have just covered everything would be just yeah, I'm ready to work, no big deal. Yeah, everything will be totally fine. Uh, not not gonna think about any anything about where I'm gonna end up. That would have worked too. Um, I, I want to go back to your recruitment. You told Rich Eisen <laughs> that uh, that Georgia came in too late as the in-state school, and you know once the Bama visit happened for you, you saw the rings. You you were just kind of like, how can you not be in awe of Saban? Uh, if Kirby had been on you from from the jump yeah. instead of kind of waiting, would you have stayed in state and gone to Georgia? Uh, I say mm, probably, but probably not because after speaking to like Saban, you know, uh, it just felt right. Like the vibe, like 
I, I want that's who I wanted to be coached by him personally. And I don't think Coach Kirby Kirby is a great coach, but I just don't think like uh he could have taught me the stuff that Saban taught me. Did did anyone in the recruiting process tell you like, hey, you shouldn't go to Alabama? Their coach is in his late sixties. Uh, like do that whole thing because I always wonder about that. If when when it's a highly regarded guy like yourself, does anybody even try and put that into your head? Uh, some some coaches probably like they would say like, uh, sure you want to go to Bama? There's a lot of this. Everybody's over there, you know. You want to really like compete if you want to get on that field. But like you want to compete with everywhere, everywhere you go. So it's yeah. nonsense. I've heard the the Saban recruiting pitch. There was something that leaked about like a year ago. I remember and, and hearing his counter to that was just like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense why they're still signing number one classes. We we had Drew Sanders who uh, was was recruited at the same time and obviously was was part of your class at Bama. We had him on and he said one of the things that Saban did during that process was he had him dunk at his house and he had him come over. He wanted to see the explosion and he had him dunk when, you know, he was over at the, the Saban residence. Did he have, uh, did he have anything like that for you? Uh, nah, probably, uh, the thing, the only thing I probably did was I did do like a, uh, I went out there and did seven on seven with like, I'm a, I'm in high school still. I went out there and did seven on seven and like, that's where he, like he saw me. So, did you do seven on seven at, at Bama or were you doing like seven on seven at, at your own high school? I did it at Bama. And how, how'd, how'd you think you held up? Cause that's everybody. I, I can make like the basketball example of when you first play with the older kids in football, you don't really get to do that as much. I mean, I guess if you're really, really good, you do, but how did you feel like you, you held up in a seven on seven looking around being like, these are all college kids. True. Honestly, I feel like I did good. Uh, I honestly dropped, I I dropped a pit and uh still I think about it to this day. But just going against the guys who, you know, like I think Judy, Judy and them was there. Uh this was their class and like just going against them, hey, like this is this where I need to be. Who'd you almost pick off? Uh it was no I think it was Matt, to be honest. Matt Jones. Okay. Yeah. That would have been a good way to start though, to be able to, cause he ends up getting, <laughs> you know, getting the starting job in 2020, of course. Uh, what, what's your reaction when, when people say like, ah, Saban's he's lost his, his fastball. You guys live it every day and you, you see how hard he works. Where's that level at right now coming off of uh, obviously what was a disappointing season by, by Bama standards? Uh, just everybody got the same mindset. Uh, just coming from them the other day, uh, everybody know to go. Uh, we know, like, we got to get back to the standard. We kind of got away from the standard last year, being undisciplined, um, you know, doing things were sloppy last year. And, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot. But, you know, this, this is a new year. Coach has the same mentality, same approach to the game. Uh, just, But the only thing different is, like, we're working harder. And we're going to they're going to work hard, harder to get to that standard. So when you say sloppy and and it's it's hard to kind of gauge everybody's in a different situation. But what, what does that mean? Is, is sloppy not watching enough film? Is it just simply everything looks great in practice? Then you get on the field and the penalties are there because I know that was a big storyline as well. Like what about it just didn't seem like it was the Bama standard last year? Like you said, penalties, um, just mental errors, you know, uh, 
far as defense, defensively, we had we had a lot of mentors uh, this year. And, you know, we all got to be – in order to be a good defense, we all got to be one. Like, we all got to be on the same page. And I feel like sometimes we weren't on the same page in a way. But, you know, it just uh, was, a, was a down year for us, and we shot ourselves in the foot, uh, you know. You were second in the SEC in TFLs, well, behind only your teammate, Will Anderson. Uh, doing that as a defensive back is super, super rare. Uh, Two-part question for you. Why do you hate ball carriers so much? And did you have any sort of bet with Will to see who could kind of lead the SEC in tackles <laughs> for loss? Uh, no, so I didn't. But I just – the only thing I hate about ball carriers is they got the ball and I want the ball. Okay, that's that's a good answer to that because it seems like you have this this unbelievable ability to get downhill. It, it, your strength it, it's obvious when when you talk to when you talk to anybody who's who's had to face this Alabama defense, they they could see that very easily. When you get into these meetings and you talk to front office people, where do you say you're most comfortable? Because I know there's been a lot of talk about what position you're going to be in the NFL. Are you going to be kind of this this corner spot? Is it just getting downhill and hitting ball carriers? Like where, where's kind of your natural spot? Uh, honestly, I feel like um, anywhere they put me. Uh, to be honest, I feel comfortable. I didn't play every position. Uh, for a, for a long time, not just uh my college gate career, but uh my high school and high school I played every position, so I'm pretty comfortable with everything. You were uh in in the same same recruiting class as Will and Bryce. Is there a story with one of those two guys that just kind of stands out that speaks to who they are? Um. I would say on Thursdays we had this team meeting and um you know it's it's a team meeting before the game, uh, four Saturdays, and, and we got like a little leadership. They come up in front of everybody and they get their little spill on like how we gonna like take care of them. And I think Will uh Will got everybody juiced up because like he was he was fired up, like he he kind of in a in a way started uh cheering up. But like it was like a, he he's still he's passionate and he I remember him saying like the first one like if we if we get on kickoff that's what we want we want to get on kickoff first uh to set the tone and he was saying the first person on kickoff down there who's who's smacking you know the, the carrier they gonna get a thousand dollars like this and you know that got everybody like fired up and that's the type of player he is like dog mentality when was uh when was that when was that game because you can't just bust that you can't be thrown out all right we're gonna give a thousand dollars to the guy who takes somebody's head off on, on a kickoff uh not to get into like bounty or thing not in any bounty situation or anything like the that is, every game every game he does that like he gets like honestly up. it's pretty much everything oh my god like even ut yeah. martin he, will, will anderson's out here tearing up like like speaking to, speaking to the guys like that Oh my God. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Jeez, unbelievable. Um, did anybody ever come like did you ever come close to hitting Bryce in, in practice? Is that is that something like you had to be really terrified of? Of like, I I, I gotta make sure I'm not hitting QB one, hitting the, the Heisman trophy winner or anything like that. <laughs> uh yeah, in a way. Cause I, I got close plenty of times to hitting him, but I just I'll get close to him and just look him in his eye. Like, yeah, if this is a real game, like, yeah, I could have sacked you. But 
Russ is cool though. And you hate ball carriers, so you, you probably that that hatred for Bryce. Yeah, that's just that's there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I I know you gotta you gotta run here. I want to get you out of here with a little bit of a uh, little bit of rapid fire. Uh, just five questions. First thing that comes to mind before you go. Does that work? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, who was the best non-Alabama quarterback you faced in your career? I'll probably have to say Justin Fields. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Because you faced him in in 2020, but like post rib injury, like could you guys tell before that that pain kind of set in like early on that he was that guy? Uh, yeah. Uh, he still had a, a good strong in the ninety national championship. Yeah, that's right. He was very good. Even even better in the in the game before against Clemson. Um. Okay, you're not at Bama anymore, so you can answer this question. Who wins the starting quarterback job, Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson? Mm. I just honestly, I think both of them, both of them deserve it. Uh, both of them put in the hard work. Uh, no knock on any, neither one of them. So I'm going for both of them, room for both of them. Two quarterback system. That's the play down the middle I answer. <laughs> I think I think LSU did it. Uh, I remember growing up. I, I remember seeing LSU do two quarterback system. So, yeah, and how that worked out for them? Not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you love anything or anybody more than you love tackling? Uh, God, and my mom. Got in your mom. Okay, that is that is a good answer. That is the correct answer. That is that is exactly what, what I was looking for. Uh, what's the most memorable piece of trash talk that's ever been directed at you? Honestly, I don't really. I don't know why I really trash talk. Uh, probably the most. Yeah, see, this is how far yeah. back you have to go to come up with something. Because yeah. nobody's going to nobody's gonna trash talk the hard-hitting safety. That's actually a bad question on my part. I take that back. <laughs> that was dumb. Um, okay, last one for you. True or false? Nick Saban will coach until he's 80. True. Well, how, how does Coach Saban know? 71. Yeah, he's he going he gonna to coach until he's 80. Probably past that if he could. 90? 90 if he could. <laughs> Brian, this has been great, man. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything in the NFL and uh love to see what you're doing with Tide, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates forced. You never know what you're gonna get. Figuring out we're talking car accidents. We talked about this a little bit the other day. I didn't get into an accident. Didn't get into an accident. I don't even know what to call this. I, I told the story very briefly the other day, but uh, for those who didn't hear, you know, maybe you skip around, maybe you forgot. Lunchtime on Saturday, doorbell rings. Assumed it was a package because I'm pretty sure we've averaged three packages a day for the last three months since our baby re registry went live. So uh, it was our neighbor from across the street. She says, I hit your car. Not ideal. She's backing up. It was our old car that was in the street. I was doing some yard work out front earlier. So then, of course, 
the one time I park it in that spot, the one time, and it was perfectly legal, nothing, nothing wrong with it. But she, she just hit it backing up her, her truck, like right into where the, the gas tank is TBD on what the damage is. I don't know what's, what it's going to cost their insurance. The good news about something like that, harm-free about as harm-free as an accident can be again, not really an accident. And when it's your neighbor across the street, there's like, okay, <laughs> I can go to your, I actually, I took a picture of herself, uh, like her, um, her insurance. And I took a bad picture that had shade crossing a few key areas. So I literally just went right back over there. I'm like, Hey, you know, I took a bad picture. Could I just take another one? And about as pain-free as it gets. The annoying thing is that it's going to take a couple hours out of my time. It will. Mm -hmm. I, I value my time. I think everybody should value their time. And you know, it's just not a convenient thing to deal with. I got to deal with, you got to talk on the phone to, to people with, their, with her insurance and, and try and figure it out. Just not great, but you know, could be worse, could be worse, but it is one of those situations where I realize I don't always know what to do when something like that happens. Thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't been in those spots before where I've had to be like, Oh, I know exactly what to do right now. Accident happened side of the road how do we take care of this sometimes you call the cops sometimes you don't call the cops it depends on what it is obviously in that situation there was no need to call an officer or anything like that but do you know what to do when you get into an accident like do you have that instinct now at this point oh, in yeah. life okay oh oh yeah all it takes is one bad word to be like all right I, I got this yeah so yeah i mean it just depends i think in your situation it just it just depends like obviously you, know, you knew the person damage wasn't that bad I mean, you know, you got to call the police, number one, then you call your insurance. So what we did. So um, I got in a car wreck going to the LSU FSU game. Luckily, that game was not the worst thing that happened in my weekend, which is hard to do. But uh, the car accident was definitely the worst. What's you up? told that story on, this, on these airwaves. But for those who maybe, you know, just started listening, you told it because you told the story back in September. But if you, yeah. if you haven't listened to if you weren't listening then or something like that, you're a little bit more of a new listener. Inform the people who might not have heard that. Yeah, that's what I was about. To, I was literally about to say, go back and listen to week one and hear one of the funniest guys. I was just like, I, I had a horrible weekend. I was like, do it, whatever. But yeah, it basically hit an oil slick, spun around, hit a guardrail, going across, almost going across like Pontchartrain and like right in front of that exit, the, the long bridge between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. So got lucky there. But yeah, we, you know, it was really smart, you know, and if you have a group, a car full of people, you got to kind of spread up the work. You got some, you know, somebody call the police, somebody call the insurance, somebody go talk to the driver, you know what I'm saying? And and if you kind of come out with a plan like that from the jump, you really kind of, it's a lot less stressful than like, what do we do? Like we hopped out and we were like, boom, here's what we're going to do. It's a plus side of having ex-army friends. They're never rattled by anything. I was paying, yeah. he, was, he was just on the phone all day so yeah no i think i think that's the, the process is you just got to get it going because if you sit there and stress about it or or if you start talking to the other person if you get an ac accident with that's only going to make it worse you got to do your thing have to do your thing that is a yeah. key key point because sometimes that person on the other end they're going to be super frazzled they're going to have right. like a million things going on they might not even be in the best headspace i don't know that they're going to be full dwight concussion levels of <laughs> incoherent but you just kind of never know and if as long as you take care of your information like the one thing the one thing you need to get is, is their insurance right like at yeah. the end of the day pictures insurance if, if you get if you do nothing else just make sure you absolutely get that um yeah i've only been in two i've only been in the car for two accidents in my life and i wasn't the driver for either of them mm -hmm. come to think like, yeah one was with my brother when we were driving back from hitting lessons when we were in high school he was driving our old ford explorer 
he was going a little bit too fast in a residential area where there's still ice and it was, it was slick. And he hit this woman's mailbox and this woman was not happy at all. Oh my she, she was so upset, even though we stayed there and, and fixed the mailbox. Oh, you better she, than me, bro. Uh, if you hit somebody's mailbox and they're mad at me after I stay and fix the mailbox, I'd be like, bro, I could have just sped off. You would have never known. You would. Yeah. You, sometimes like you get those people who you're, you're thinking they're going to be one way and you're thinking they're going to be really understanding because at the end of the day, it's an accident. I don't want to be here fixing your mailbox. I have right, a million yeah. things I'd rather be doing here uh, than, than fixing your mailbox. But she was like not happy about it at all, which I get it. But, you know, gives give us a break. It's a 17 year old kid that we're talking about. And then I was with my mom and my brother. My mom was driving one time. We we're turning left. We were, I think my brother and I were like in middle school or something. We we're playing basketball at like the equivalent of our version of the YMCA. And we were, she was like driving us home and it was a stale yellow that she was turning left on and the car in oncoming traffic went basically like went through a stale yellow light and mm -hmm. hit my mom turning left. And I'll never forget when the officer comes. my mom's thinking like this guy is who just hit me. He's an idiot. Like he's got a beat up car. It's going to be entirely his fault. He's going to have to deal with the insurance, all that stuff. And then when the officer comes by and my mom was like, yeah, like I was, I was the one who was, who was turning and, he's like well then it's your fault because he has the right of way and you mm. can't do that and so ever since then and my mom was pissed she was not happy about it ever since then though on a yellow light i don't get out and get out into like the, the you know the, the intersection Middle, there yeah i don't do that i stay unless i'm getting the arrow or something like that if it's green, I'm staying back by where that turn lane is because I don't want to be in the middle having to make that decision and guess if you're going to go through that light. I'll whatever, like I'll, I'll wait the extra two minutes. Oh yeah, if you ever gotten it. stuck in that middle ground right there, it's oh. the worst, most embarrassing feeling in the world. I had that happen to me once. I was like, I'm never doing this again. I don't care what time, unless I'm like running so violently late for something that I'm punctually just kind of running a red light anyway. Like I don't really care. And it's like, no, I'm just in a casual day. You'll never catch me doing that because all it takes is that next car starting to go before somebody lets you go, and they're like almost like. Hey, buddy. It's like, dude, we're both stuck here now because I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. It's super awkward. Yeah. And, and like, to, just to think, you know, what what is it all worth in, in the grand scheme of things? So yeah, I have, uh, I've definitely, I definitely did not forget it. But that was the only like real collision that I think I've ever been in. But I've, I mean, I feel like there have been some close calls. I've told the story of of doing a spin out when I was driving with my high school girlfriend merging onto the highway. That was terrifying. That wasn't technically mm -hmm. an accident because somehow some way i did not get hit in that instance but yeah there have been uh there have been some close calls I had a close call like last week where i was turning left uh like just turning left out of actually apopka high school i was turning left out of high school and there was a car that i swear came out of nowhere it was going exactly where i was going it would have been entirely my fault it would have definitely been my fault but i had to like slam on the brakes last second and i was like oh man connor you got it we got to get it together man we can't we can't have this happening right now I said, yeah, you're getting your defensive driving instincts up. You got to have you got practiced the mom arm? Like when you have a kid where you like put the arm out, the Michael really or some reps in, you know, next, next arm day you have do the mom arm where you got to protect your kid. All right. And get those reps in the, um, the, uh, the way Michael or protects SJ in the blind side. Same yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I have one more quick story. If you guys remember debating that I was adjusting to the uh, Georgia way of life. Uh, so the other day I was going to the Braves game. Saw Spencer Strider started. It was really, really cool. Um, but I was driving my lifted Jeep onto the parking garage. And, you know, they made, they've 
they incorrectly labeled the parking garage apparently and hung some type of a sign afterward and uh buddy i was leaving through like the same entrance i came in and it ripped the top off of my jeep um so that was hilarious and like oh, god yeah that's uh, an amount of money i don't want to say on these airwaves i put it on a credit card and i'm now do- going through insurance again to hopefully recover some of that but um just quick side tear on that man um Society has changed so much during COVID in ways that I just don't think we could ever really explain. And like, I had that happen. It ripped the top off of my Jeep, which at minimum is funny. Like at minimum, if you have no empathy for me, if you see have a big Bama sticker on your car and you're like, there's that jerk Will, ha ha ha, laugh at me. I had, I like pulled off to the side and it was like a full parking garage and not a single person like pulled over, reacted whatsoever. Everybody is like so in their little bubble right now. It's so strange to me. There was a lifted truck behind me that was even higher than mine. And instead of being like, oh my gosh, thanks, dude. That could have been me. He like tore off and went another way. And I was like, is no one like, like same deal. Like, dude, we had an accident. Like nobody like pulled over to help or anything. People don't do that anymore. It's really strange. Is it? Do you think the byproduct of being after the game? Um, No, I literally think our society has just changed in the last three years. And I think people are way more individualistic in the sense of like communities is kind of gone. Because I, like I said, and, and, and like me, I, I'm sure you would probably have just gotten out if you saw that happen and be like, yo, you good, bro. And like, I would have done the same thing. But I think that like those little courtesies, like returning shopping carts, for instance, are just starting to evaporate from our society. But now I'm, you know, talking about other stuff. You got any other takes, old man? I mean, I, no, this is like, I felt so weird. I was like, is nobody going to be like, are you okay? So I could be like, yes, I'm good. Like, that's all I wanted for that moment in my life. Where got does the that go? Win, though. Oh, oh, yeah. So, so it's all worth it. Where does the top yeah. of your truck go when something like that happens? Back. Things that up. In the back. Like, it crumpled into itself. So I had to, I threw on some country music and I was driving at like, it was like 40 degrees at like 8 a.m. the next morning and I just had no top of my truck. Oh, going God. Into well, so dang. funny. Brutal. Accidents suck. Excellent. Suck. Absolutely suck. All right. Saturday on South podcast, Facebook group. We asked the questions. Have you ever been involved in an accident? Better yet. Have you ever been at fault in a car accident? Have you ever been in a car accident that had zero issues whatsoever? Like I knock on wood have had up to this point. By the time people are listening to this on Friday morning, I will be dealing with my, my car repair at the recommended place by their insurance. So hopefully issue free. And mm-hmm. obviously we're going to get some horror stories. Let's, let's actually start with a horror story from our guy, Emery. Emery says semi horror story that may have been told here before, but what the hell uh, in college, I had a 2004 Jeep grand Cherokee that I loved and actually loved me back. It had a small crack in the top corner of the windshield of the passenger side. As I was driving down a road on one of the mountains in, Will pronounce that for me. I don't have that one. Delonica? Delonica, sure. Uh, That crack caught a glare in the rising sun that lit up the entire windshield. By the time I could see again, I was in the middle of the curb, the road, and didn't have enough time to slow down. So I did what any 19-year-old would do, panic and overreact. I ended up barrel rolling off a 40 foot drop off on the side of said mountain and landing on all four tires. Oh my God. I was fine with the exception of a concussion from my head, smashing the window out. Uh, as I came to a stop, a pine tree with a diameter of a Coke can stopped me from rolling down crown mountain. The embankment was too steep to drive up, but after the tow truck pulled my Jeep out, it ran and drove fine with a good bit of dents. I replaced those body panels and drove it for another year. That pine tree and the Jeep are the only reason that I survived that accident, and I've been a Jeep guy since. If that's only a semi-horror story, 
what is an actual horror story? I, I shouldn't ask that question. I but. mean, that's yeah, no, that's that's horrible. That's like go to therapy, but not for him. He is made of concrete. So how do you <laughs> just got out of there and yep, walked away? That's the type of thing where if, if you get out relatively unscathed like that, you're just convinced you're invincible. You're kind of good. How do you fear anything after you experience that? I mean, Emery's a pretty fearless guy, but being able to be in that spot where you walk away and you just think, what else could I take on today? I don't know. Um, I mean, does Mason Taylor miss an extra point that then costs your team a college football game? Because I felt like that was the only thing ruining my weekend after that. I feel like I feel like I would have felt so good if not for that. <laughs> to be fair, he only missed a block. He didn't miss the actual extra point. Oh, sorry. Did I say that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that that qualifies as a horror story in my yeah book, that's 100%. good on good on you for just trucking past that yeah uh drew page says when i was 18 i went to take a left turn and got hit uh head on by a guy who was doing 50 miles per hour in a 30 the man's airbags didn't deploy and his wife broke her hip out oh no he sued my insurance company and also forward for the airbags and i was found at fault for it okay uh, I was, is this I think this is really similar to, to like what I was saying with my mom. Like if you're yeah. making that left turn and the guy has the right of way, I was taken to the hospital because they thought at first my wrist bone was broken and sticking out. Thankfully it was not. I got lucky that day because I was coming back from being interviewed at one of the news stations in Lexington and was supposed to be driving my car that actually didn't have any airbags, but my mom's, but took my mom's car instead. You better go check your airbags right now. Everybody. Just go to it right now. Just pause. How can you check your airbags? Is that a thing? I'll take them in. Oh, like you have to you have to get them checked. Yeah, you, you don't, can't. There's, don't like there's punch no... them or anything. Once they're right. single use, buddy, it's like a fire extinguisher. Get into a single car crash and <laughs> test out your airbags. Uh, yeah, I've. I think that part is terrifying. Having your airbags deploy is one of those. Yes, you're grateful long term that that you have that. But when they actually deploy and you realize the impact of them, those suckers are powerful. Holy cow. Um, don't want to be in any situation anytime soon with airbags deploying. That's scary. Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show you, maybe just never take left turns. You can never be at fault for anything. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Gosh. Austin Foster says, was once on a long drive home from college. I was about 30 minutes from my hometown, a very rural part of Arkansas. This new road had just been completed and opened up. So deer were still getting used to vehicles in that area. It was about 1 a.m. And a deer darted out in front of me. I swerved to try and miss it. Clipped the back end of the deer and lost control. I started spinning and it missed hitting the side of the bridge by about two feet. Instead, spun down a ravine. No one is sure how my car didn't flip and hit the tree line. If my front end had hit first, I wouldn't be typing this now. Oof. Deer is the ultimate damned if you do, damned if you don't while driving. Yeah. They are. I, when I was driving back I-80 all those nights in Nebraska, I was just waiting for a deer to dart out right in front of me. And it would see plenty of them. Plenty yeah. of them. Some, some of which would scamper out ahead of me was always fearing that exact scenario because you never know in that moment how you're going to respond to the deer. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. Is it going to be a block or a charge situation? Mm -hmm. I Look, that deer can do some serious damage to, to a standard vehicle, to any vehicle, really. I They are 
they are something that I fear so, so much while driving in that exact situation that Austin just brought up. Yes. Glad that it did not hit your front end first. Glad you are still here typing this now. Yeah, no, those things, I, you know, I saw a very polite lad of a deer the other day that just like waited for a crossing. It was very strange. It was in like bindings, like kind of like suburban Atlanta. And there was like a little crossing where people cross. And this deer was just sitting there and the light came on because it thought he was a person and he just crossed. So other than that deer, I hope every other deer is having a horrible day. I do. Yeah. I Here's stories. I remember hearing a story of a kid in my neighborhood who, the kid who was like five, six years older swerved out of the way of the deer and like crashed car and died. And yeah. these things, I mean, my dad used to, my dad used to do all these test drives uh, back, back when he was, when he was selling cars and he, he had a couple of instances where he just hit one head on and you have to make that decision in that moment. Am I going to swerve out of the way, yep. especially into oncoming traffic to avoid this sucker? Or am I just going to take it head on and just know that this damage is about to be really, really bad. I, Ooh, Glad there are not just, deer here. just drive a tank because for me, if I ran into a deer, I would just keep driving. I'd be like, you know what? And so sometimes the top will get ripped off of your, or your truck and you look really stupid in front of people. But sometimes if you hit a deer, deer ain't hitting back. So will it, will it though? I mean, it depends. It depends like the leverage the deer has probably. Yeah. And how big you're talking. But I mean, that's going to do some damage. If it's going straight fighting. on, let's be clear. If the deer is charging at me, I probably will feel it. But I don't think, I mean, Considering that I'm like like how heavy my truck is and I have like kind of a winch in the front of it that would kind of break it up. I, I I'm not as worried about deer now, you know. Like a 45 degree angle just coming right at the front of your car. That's major burns deer. <laughs> not major burns. Who's the uh the Florida guy from the championship? A major the that guy that hit the Oklahoma yes. guy. <laughs> Target. That type of deer. That's just yeah. Major right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, just like this this uh hit this hit artist deer that just like hit sticks your car like ah yeah. Definitely targeting on all deer. Everywhere. Yeah, there we go. Michael Dark says, I got in my first wreck back in the beginning of March. An old lady that had no business driving hit me while I was at a red light. <sighs> it was a four-car accident. So the car I've had since college was totaled, and the guy at the end of the pileup uh, ended up flipping over. A good Samaritan and I kicked through his windshield to help him get out. My back is still... My back still isn't back to normal, and the insurance company hasn't paid me for the loss of my vehicle. Oh, that sucks. Dang. Gotta get that. That's like priority number one. Well, dude, out. and that that's the that's the terrible thing about like like the insurance thing is like they're they're on their time. And like that's one thing that I would say every big company you ever deal with, just fight with them. Honestly, they're all run by people that don't actually care. Um, so like the insurance thing, great example. I got in a fight with Hertz and they sent me this really terrifying like cease and desist letter, basically that said I had five days to pay twenty two thousand dollars, which hey. If I'm ever at a point in my life, I can just randomly pay $22,000, buddy. I'll be a much happier man. But I was freaking out and I called Progressive and I was like, dude, what's going on? They're like, we reached a settlement like two weeks ago. Like, why are they sending you that? And it was like a last ditch attempt to scare me to get me to like take out a mortgage on my house and and send them the money that they initially like like wanted. But yeah, just like basically fight with people is my point because they will like if it's up to them they will find a way and we saw that firsthand in, in louisiana with all the hurricanes like all these companies that would tell you no no you're covered bro it's like nah they'll try every way to kind of screw you so i'm i'm that bothers me a lot man yeah the, the hurts thing when I, I when i was out in california i told that story on these airwaves when we were talking about uh that that horror story of re returning the rental car half hour late because we were stuck in LA traffic yeah, and, and the, the pain and agony of 
All that time Lauren spent on the phone dealing with Hertz, who wanted to charge us an additional twelve hundred dollars for this car. Yeah, it dude. was awful, like death to Hertz. When I see those those commercials, especially now, now that they've got Tom Brady in these commercials, and oh yeah, Lauren's watching these as much as she hates Tom Brady. She's like anything else, anything else. This is the worst. Mm-hmm. We're we're probably just pissing off Hertz employees. We got a couple Hertz employees. Be nice to me then, and don't send me threatening yeah. mail. Be better. Like I don't want to tell you. Like don't do that, and I won't be upset. Don't don't bother Connor and his wife. We, we, we're not angry people for no reason. Like let me play pay for you. Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any reason to hate you. <laughs> let me say the agreed upon fee, and we can both just be on our way. All right, let's go. How about that? Grant Handy says, when I was 16, I was driving with a foreign exchange student from Germany when my car hydroplaned into the other lane and resulted in the car being totaled. We were okay, but he was definitely shaken up since he only had been in Texas for a little over a month. I remember him asking repeatedly if this meant he was going to be deported. I assured him that my poor driving would not constitute him going back to Germany. To make the situation worse, the SAT test was the next day. And let's just say the odds and score were not in my favor. Less than two weeks later, my best friend, the the exchange student's host family, was in a wreck outside our high school for failing to stop before the stop car in front of them. Since it was before school, he called me on his Nokia phone and... (laughs) And told me to come get him and take him into the school because he was worried once again that he'd be deported. While I didn't remove him from the scene of the accident, I did talk with him during the process and tried to reassure him that not all Texans are bad drivers. He ended ended up staying until the end of the school year, almost wreck-free since the aforementioned fall of driving terrors of October 2000. That is until his prom date lost control and went airborne while changing CDs in her car with him in it and crashed through the uh, Pentecostal camp, the campground fence. They both walked away without sustaining any major injuries. And the only concern he had was who was driving him to the airport the following week because he did. He didn't want me or my best friend to do so. Of places you could crash into, a Pentecostal campground is one of the, you know, assuming no one's hurt, it's one of the funnier ones. It's a sign! Oh, yeah, anyway. but at the same time, that also might be a sign. You should just never get in a car again. Just don't yeah. get in a car. This Man. poor guy, he went to Texas of all places on Germany. He's like, these people are crazy. I Was that your German accent? Yeah, that was not good either. I'm sorry. That was, well, we're going to workshop that. We're going to workshop okay. that. That's that's fine. This poor guy, though, you're exactly right. Did, yeah. When when your when your prom date is messing around with CDs and you get into an accident, uh, then being in cars just isn't for you. It's just not. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I that is just yeah that is so much. I was, I was just gonna say quickly, like dude, driving around the countries is so different. And like I've noticed that like in Europe, like whenever we've been, like there's either these tiny little roads in the cities, or it's like wide open outside yes. of the cities, and there's almost like no lanes. And like when we were in Naples, um, like there was. They were driving around all these like cliffs, man. And it was like no speed change. It was like they had those little tiny like mirrors that would show you what's around, but not really. And dudes were just ripping cigs, like whipping around the corner. And I was like, <laughs> and it was it was just wild. It was a wild scene. But there just aren't as many accidents over there. So maybe we're all just dumb. I don't know what the difference is. I think there are just as many accidents. There's got to be. There has to be. We just don't hear about so. it. <laughs> I I think it's like the rate of speed or the kind of cars we drive or that we're something wrong with us. But dude, the car accident, like deaths per thousand in America is like exponentially higher than everywhere else. And you go other places like India, they don't follow lines in the road. There's like literally my mom went to India and told me there were like people with like buggies and like trucks on the same road using different rules. And it's like, 
how do you guys figure this out in like a roundabout and I can't get to the Braves game? That doesn't seem like the, the type of place I would want to be. Oh, you would hate that. Yeah. I, no structure. No structure. No, in the I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Anybody can just do what they want. No, I will walk. All right, sir or madam. Okay. Real quick. Uh, lad of the week. Can we end with, with a quick lad of the week? Will? uh, yes, let me, I'll, I'll start. Um, so my lad of the week is the cast of the show Johnson. Uh, it's a show that I've been working on for a minute. Uh, they just announced season three today. Um, that's the one that stars, uh, Thomas Q Jones. Now he's, you know, adding the Q to his name's, uh, Thomas, uh, Jones, the running back from the bears that famously destroyed the saints in the playoffs. Yes, he did. Um, but <laughs> Daisy LeRae, Philip Smiley, um, Derek Brady, really cool guys. It's a, it's like an ensemble cast. The whole, the whole concept of it is that these guys all had the same last name and they sat alphabetically in school. Um, and so they all just became friends because they were in every class together. And it's a really cool kind of like coming of age type vibe, um, on bounce TV. So that's, I've been working on that with my day job and doing BTS photography and being on set. has been awesome. But the reason why these guys are the lad of the week, um, is because the announcement came today and they're already done shooting everything and they've had to be so professional and so cool, you know, not sharing anything on social media, uh, not telling anyone that they were even renewed and kind of keeping up this whole elaborate hoax to kind of keep it under wraps. So I'm so, so excited for those guys and the success that's going to like come of them, you know, that um, everything has gone really well for them so far. So yeah, just, just absolute lads been the, my favorite set that I've ever worked on. Uh, these guys are like, just made me feel super spoiled. So check it out. Uh, Johnson on bounce, uh, season three is now wrapped and in post, uh, and it'll be coming around like August of this year. So check it out. If you get bounce TV. The fact that Will's just boys with Thomas Jones, is just, yeah, that, that just, it's awesome, man. We had, yeah. I can't even tell you the other guy I met the other day. Cause that's also like classified, but we got some really cool guest stars this year. Love it. Love it. Um, Okay, my lad of the week is I'm going with Morgan Wallen. Yes. Uh, so everybody knows by now what happened in Oxford, the the canceled concert, the way all that went down, canceled what, 852 or something like that. All the tweets that have come out since then, the one about all the the money that Morgan Wallen owed that woman who is tweeting about her husband's $218 outfit, the $41 she spent at Cracker Barrel. Um, no, Morgan Wallen, I just wanted an excuse to bring this up because, man, is he Auburn football? He's just Auburn football through and through in every way, shape, and form. Uh, just kind of bums you out because here's the thing artists all the time cancel concerts. Elton John canceled one very last minute here in Orlando a couple of years ago. I remember, I think it was actually that might have been like pre pandemic, but the fact that Morgan Wallen has his track record and does that, mm, you mean it's only that guy wasn't out late on the square? Come on. I, mm. Would love to give him the benefit of the doubt. Morgan Wall is just very, very tough person to root for, I think, at this stage of his life. But paying $400 for a Morgan Wall ticket, uh, maybe people will think twice. Maybe they will. I, I mean, I, I love his music. Like, I've, I've been on record saying that, even though I do think he has some duds. But, man, is that guy Auburn football. Yeah. Okay, if you have not, leave us leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at CJ O'Gara, at Go So Hard, at Sat Down South. Join the Facebook group and hear your name right on air with figuring out what's bold and brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.